Alrighty, I um, I went back and um, just in my prayer time, I just felt like it was really important to re look at our the prophetic words or the words that the Lord's spoken to us as a body um, since the beginning of the year, and um, and just to really ask some questions in those words that we've received. Are we diligently pursuing the things that the Lord's placed before us. And uh, I'll just read you uh, a couple things that the Lord gave us at the beginning of the year. Uh, this was um, back in, right there in December, I think it was the 31st, when we did our New Year's Eve service that I shared this. The Lord spoke and said that this is going to be a year of increased partnerships, greater intimacy, and abundance of fruit. And, um, and then He spoke about that, as a result, there was going to be a greater commitment, loyalty, devotion, service, and intimacy with God. And uh, it's really required in order for us to see the the level of fruit coming forth out of our lives. There must be a deepening uh, level of commitment, of service, of devotion, of loyalty, of intimacy with God. And, um, and then he said, the, the scripture that I had read... Um, is, was in Philemon 1, 6 in the NIV. It said, I pray that your partnership with us in the faith may be effective in deepening your understanding of every good thing we share for the sake of Christ. And um, the emphasis there is that we, he's been given us so many good things, but it's not for our sake, it's for the sake of Christ. And that what he's given us and the abundance of what he's blessed us with, as well as the revelation, the understanding, the insight, the gifts, the anointing, all those things are beneficial to us, but they're for the sake of Christ. They're for the revealing of Jesus in the earth. And so if we partake of what God's given us, even prophetic words that the Lord's given us, and we use them to uh, make our own way or to benefit our own selves or to, to, to make our name great, then what we end up doing is we end up merchandising the anointing. We begin to uh, prostitute the gifts and callings, and we use those things to promote self. That's why self-ambition and, and uh, self-will are so dangerous in the kingdom. And, and Jesus said, in order for you to follow me, you must deny yourself, crucify your flesh in order to follow me. And so there's, this, there's a great need that any time that we begin to be partakers of the greater realm of His glory and begin to sense His presence and begin to step into a greater realm of His presence, there's a need for greater humility. There's a need for greater commitment to the things of God. There's also a need for uh, an increase of the fear of the Lord in our heart because with every realm of glory that we step into is a, gra a greater realm of influence. And as a result, um, what was no big deal, it still was a big deal in the kingdom, but what was no... As not, not as a big deal yesterday, when I step into a new level in God, those things become multiplied, good and bad. Are you following me? Those things begin to be, um, they have more of an effect, not only on ourselves, but the people around us as well. That's why it's, the Bible says that it's not good that everyone become a teacher because you'll be judged at a higher standard. That there is there is more required of you when you step into new to those places with God and you're, and you're being chosen by the Lord, be used by the Lord in those places. Everybody, let me make this clear, everybody, the moment you get born again is invited 
to partake of the presence of God, the gifts of God, the the workings of the Spirit of God, to step into the supernatural realm. I mean, that's very clear in Scripture. We see that evident in Jesus dealing with people in ministry. I mean, just look who he put in charge of stuff. I mean, you could see that he was doing that. But if you examine even closer, we just think about Peter as being this rough guy. He just cussed people out and just had an anger problem. And But we, we forget that Peter also spent three years of extreme discipline with the Lord. We forget that he was with Jesus day and night, gave up his livelihood to follow Jesus. He was he was those three three years with Christ in earthly ministry and was a part of those things. He came along his way, but if you notice that those rebukes then sometimes they make you shudder, you know, it's like, Oh man, that was kinda of harsh the way Jesus talked to him, or that was hard. I'm glad Jesus doesn't talk to me that way. Well, watch out because if Jesus doesn't come to you at that level of of dealing with you and disciplining your life, then that means that it could be that you're not going to the level that he's called you to. Because if you go to the depth of level, there's going to be more required of you and there's going to be more um, challenge that's placed before you. And uh, for those that have had extreme challenges in your life, uh, that could be really good news. Um, it could be bad news because it, it could be two ways. Because some challenges come to life because of our own foolishness because of our own sin, okay? Then there are other challenges that come when we're really pursuing the Lord, and there's, it seems like, tests, challenges, hardships. Whew, man, this is really difficult. And in, in the second case, those things can be actually points of great joy, knowing that these things are testing my level of faith, and I'm able to see where I'm at. I'm able to pursue God. I'm able to press in deeper. And those things are actually preparing me for something greater. Are you following me? They actually give me, uh, that's why I said when you come under great tribulation, count it all joy. When there's a great test, you count it all joy. You know, there's this great joy that comes because, oh, he's choosing me. And, you know, a lot of people don't feel that way. I mean, I'm sure, you know, the example of Joseph, which is a really great example of here was someone who God gave a very clear vision. It wasn't like he came up with some self-ambitious dream that I'm going to be great and my father and, and my brothers and my mother are going to bow down and worship me. You follow me? That was God who showed him that. That was God who gave him that vision. It was God who gave him that dream. And and he was not trying to make his own way in that. It was God that spoke those things. Now in his foolishness, we could say, oh, he's done this or shouldn't do that. The bottom line was God was preparing him for something, and he was going to go and face something that that God needed to get that prophetic word in his life. I, I can remember as a young man hearing having someone speak out this prophetic word about you'll have a ministry as nations. And and I, I remember receiving the word, and it was like, okay. But I it was a, it was not a happy, oh, that's wonderful, let's go, let's go celebrate feeling inside. And I remember a, a guy outside the church said something to me. He said, oh, that was a great word. Did it done? I said, yeah, that's not a great word, though, if you know what it will be required of you to get there. It kind of, it kind of shook him. I was already beginning to feel the weight of the responsibility of what God would, what I would have to go through in order to fulfill the things that God had called me to do. And a lot of times um, when we uh, step out to pursue the things of the Lord, we take for granted that it will require hard work in order to get there. We take for granted that everything's just going to be smooth and that just because we have the favor of God or the anointing of God, that everything's just going to work out perfectly. Because it doesn't. Wake up call, you know. 
Get out of the, the, the dream of like everything's going to be perfect. No, no, you'll have to go through hard stuff. And, and what will have to be formed in you is a spirit of endurance and perseverance so that you can run the race and continue the course in order to fulfill what God wants you to do. And it's to those that endure, those people, they see the fulfillment of the promise of God in their lives. But we have to keep our eyes on the promise of hardship. We cannot become distracted by... Even in the midst of those things, He's forming in our eyes on Him. And so we don't need to go deeper in intimacy, to go deeper after the Lord. Um, the Lord spoke to me as well. Um, I think it was in the February. He began to talk to me about studying more of Isaiah. And uh, in the book of Isaiah, he talks a lot about the of Jesus coming with prophetic words in that. And in the midst of those prophetic words, there's also words of warning to Israel as well as today of being careful that we don't allow idols to rob us. The gospel. He also makes reference to, and it, here's one scripture that you can you can take this. One and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. These things dominate the that you need. And one of the things, the tendencies that we have is when we um, are under pressure, and it doesn't seem like things are working out like we want it to it becomes very easy to begin to look around what can fix this. You know what I'm saying? And, I, and there are times, and this may not be popular, you know, American Christian belief system, but there are times when the Lord will withhold things from you, not withhold in the meaning of making you not get stuff, but I mean in the fact that He delays what he's trying to do in your life because he's wanting you to see where your heart really is. It's not so much, I mean, he could do something in a moment and no big deal. But it's more important to him that you recognize where the deficiencies are in your own heart so that you can get those areas filled. And if we don't know that there are deficiencies in there, then we, we subconsciously fill those areas with other things other than the Lord. We become dependent on other things and we look to other things to supply ourselves, not being, and we can be completely unaware. You know, in one passage it talks about where, where God comes down and confronts the children of Israel in Isaiah. And they said, you know, what are you talking about? We serve you. We go to do sacrifices. And he basically says, you know, all your stuff is detestable to me. It's all detestable. All your sacrifices, all your incense, all your, all your acts of worship, it's all just lip service because your heart is far from me. You know, and, and today, a lot of times we can have all the stuff on the outside look right. You know, we can have everything lined up and say, oh, I'm doing this, I'm doing that, I'm living this way. And still have things, heart motives, heart attitudes that are wrong in our lives that are actually can prevent us from fulfilling the thing that God called us to do. And it's in that place of, um, in, in that place of stretching, in that place of thinness, if you will, that you can see through the wall that you've erected around there, or the hardness of your heart. You can see through and say, oh, there's a disease there. Oh, there's, there's issues there. Oh, there's something going on in there that I didn't realize. You know, for most people, um, it's, it's super easy to, to relegate the problems that I have to others around me. Like, yeah, so this, oh, that idiot over here, or this person over here, man, that's, what's their problem, you know? 
And, and the Lord, He wants to do a work in us where we can see people the way He sees them. But at the same time, we can also see accurately what's going on in our own lives. For sure, the prophetic word comes so that we can see ourselves in line with what He's called us to be. Right? But how many knows that when we receive a prophetic word, it also does something else peculiar? It exposes who you're not in the moment. It shows you who you're to be, but also reveals who you're not. And what it should create is a seeking of the Lord. And one of the, the real revelations that the Lord spoke to me this year, and it's, doesn't, it's not a deep revelation. I mean, it's scripture is just simple. It's just the fact that if you seek God, He will be found. You know, if you seek me, you, if, you, if you ask, it'll be given. If you seek, it'll be found. If you knock, the door will be opened. It's just a simple passage there. But it's a very deep, profound thing. It, it, it's not like if you seek Him, He'll be found sometimes. No, it's every time. And a lot of people, a lot of people, if you just keep seeking the Lord, He's going to show up. He's going to be found. And you're going to see Him move in those situations in your life. But what does God major in? What's more important to God? What's, what's the most important thing with God is, is for you to be with Him? Above ministry, above, you know, certain things that we think of and value so much in the earth is to, for us to be with Him. And unfortunately, when we are in the midst of doing things for God, in the midst of even ministry, we can, we can lose sight of that number one emphasis and, and can create idols around us. Even ministry can become an idol. Did you realize that? Even doing things for the Lord can become an idol. I was reading, I've been reading this book, of The Torch and the Sword by Rick Joyner. The Lord has spoke to me. To go back and read the series um, several months ago, and it was interesting. I'd, I'd ordered them, began to reread them again, and um, I saw Lance Walnow on his Facebook post. He'd also said the Lord had spoken to him to begin to reread these books too. And I thought, okay, so the Lord's speaking to other people about rereading this too, huh? That's very interesting. You know, I always love it when you have other men and women of God who hear the same thing. So it's kind of like confirmation along the way, you know. And so I was reading a passage here. I just wanted to share this with you in the in this book, this is the third one of the, the trilogy here. And these were accounts that he had uh, in, the, in the 90s, I believe it was, where he, the Lord spoke, some in the 80s and the 90s, where the Lord began to, he began to have these amazing visions and encounters with the Lord. The Lord began to talk to him about things in these end times. But in, um, in the first chapter here, I just wanted to read this. Um, he was talking about one of these encounters that he was having with the Lord. The Lord brought him up. And um, he was encompassed with the, the, the glory of the Lord. And, he, and the Lord spoke to him. He said, This torch uh, will give its bearers great influence. Those who have carried it and then laid it down often did so because they began to esteem the influence of the torch more than his presence. As they drifted from him, the torch became too heavy for them. And they laid it aside and began to substitute their own words for his words. This is how the doctrines and traditions of men begin to eclipse the influence of His Spirit over men. This has happened to every movement until now. Do you think you can do better than all the other torchbearers before you? This is what the Lord spoke to Rick Joyner. He said, I felt the seriousness of this warning. I knew very well my tendency to drift from seeking the Lord and staying close to Him. I also knew my pride and presumption at times to think that my thoughts were His thoughts and my words were His words. Even in the glory of His presence, as we walked, a chill came over me. 
Once I was given this torch, my failures would be compounded with many more people affected. I thought about my previous failures in ministry and then my failure in business. Each one had been a little more devastating. Now my ministry was growing again. Could I carry the weight of this responsibility? In almost every way that counted, everything which I had started in the past had ended as a failure. Would it be any different this time, I thought. And the Lord looked at me in a way that conveyed both kindness and forgiveness. But at the same time, I felt the severity of the warning I was there to receive. He said, my spirit will go with you and I will convict you of your tendency to drift from me. Even so, you must follow my spirit. Even the torchbearers will not be forced to follow me. All will fail who do not love me more than sin and wickedness. All will fail who do not love the truth more than they love the praises of men. If you love me and my truth more than the idols that the world now worships, you will not fail. This will be your daily choice to follow me or serve idols which can easily eclipse your affection for me. I thought that was a very powerful word, you know, of just the reality of, you know, when things are happening, when the Spirit of God begins to move and miracles begin to happen, it's real easy for everybody to get on board. It's real easy for everybody to begin to celebrate. People want to just come in there. But when when there is a, when we come into a season like we have, even in this last uh, couple of months, uh, a pressing season where the Lord's challenging us, it's just, sometimes it's just hard to even get up and go to church, you know, or even get up and spend time with the Lord. There's this pressure that comes. And it's that thinness in the seasons of thinness, if you will, that you're being stretched to your capacity so that you can identify areas of weakness that in your life that need to be dealt with in order for you to step into the next season with great power and great authority and great grace. Are you following me? And so um, it's really essential that we continue to seek the Lord and that we allow the discipline of the Lord, we allow um, the challenge of the Lord to expose those areas in our hearts that would eliminate us from being chosen down the road. Are you following me? That that in the kindness of the Lord, He does that for us. He does do that. He doesn't discipline us because He doesn't love us. He disciplines because He loves us and because He has a call in our lives. If there's no discipline in our lives, then there's the evidence that are you really His to begin with. If there's not the challenge from the Lord, if there's not the correction that comes from the Lord, if there's not the words that stir you, if every word that you get is just a a good-sounding word that makes you feel good, watch out. You could have placed something in there and had idols formed. You could create a Jesus in your own image that gives you what you want, when you want it, how you want it, that pleases your flesh. This is called a spirit of idolatry. The children of Israel knew this well. They, they created a golden calf and called it Yahweh. And worshipped Him for setting them free from Egypt and allowing them to cross on dry ground over the Red Sea. It's very easy to take our experiences and our doctrinal beliefs and our theology and understanding and out of that place of limited knowing of God, create a God that gives us what we want. Even in worship, watch out. If if I only engage in worship because it makes me feel good, what's your motive to worship? It's still about me. It's about making me feel good. That's flesh. Mm-hmm. The Bible makes it abundantly clear that if we give way to the things of the Spirit, it will war against the flesh. And it will win. It will begin to overtake the flesh. But if we give way to the things of the Spirit, it will war against the things 
of the Spirit. And what I'm seeing in much of the world and in the body of Christ today is a, a people who are so engulfed in the things of the flesh and the, uh, the senses and feeling good and making everything just right and, and even words that, oh, that makes me feel so great. That it it is still giving way, is speaking to the things of the flesh and not to the Spirit. The Spirit comes in and it cuts away and it exposes what is God and what is not, what is of the Spirit and what is of the soul. What is holy and what is unholy. The Word of God, according to Hebrews in chapter 4, it does that. It's active. It is alive. It is powerful. Now, what is the character of God? Now, the character of God is He is good. He's good all the time, right? But His goodness is revealed in both His love and in His wrath. In both cases, in both aspects of, of His nature, you see His goodness being displayed in both ways. Even in His judgment... You can't separate, even in the judgment of the Lord, the goodness of God, because that's just who He is. You following me? You can't separate His love in judgment, because that's who He is. You can't separate His love from His wrath, because that's who He is. It doesn't diminish that, but you know, and I was, I was sharing this in the Bible College, uh, one of the issues that we've had with, with hyper-grace, the hyper-grace movement, is, is it came out of, in many cases, even with like uh, different ones out through Asia, they came out of a shame culture that really needed to be told, lift your head up, God's called you to greatness, God's called you to do amazing things. And so they were really trying to get people out of shame and get them to, to look up at God and realize that, hey, God's got you, He's qualifying you, He's helping you, and so forth. Okay, And so there was some great revelation that came out of that. But the tendency, though, is with any good revelation that comes from the Lord, the tendency, though, is to use that one revelation and become the filter to read all through all the other revelation of God and through all the words of, of, of the book, you know. And if we take and imprint one revelation and use it as the guide to understand everything else, then we will end up misinterpreting and only seeing one aspect of God when there, God is multifaceted, the Scriptures declare, and the, and the Bible makes it clear that the angels that are in heaven, they're swirling around the throne of God, and they're crying out, holy, holy, continually, because they're seeing aspects of God they've never seen before. And so if we, if we think we've all of a sudden got the, the block over here of who God is, oh, I know who God is now. Watch out, pride enters in. And one of the things that you see with, with the hyper-grace movement is this, spirit, this unteachable spirit of, oh, I know who God is, and I know what the grace is, and that's law, and da-da-da-da, and they say these different things, and they're unteachable, full of pride. That's not the care. Anytime that we engage in something beyond what that revelation was intended to do, knowledge puffs up. The knowledge of God, the revelation of God was meant to bring you into a greater realm of intimacy, of engaging Him, seeing Him, beholding Him. But when knowledge no longer becomes about bringing me into a deeper place with Him, but it becomes a point of truth that I try to guard and protect, and it becomes the truth that I'm trying to, to stand up for, and people become just belligerent and no longer have a teachable spirit, uh-oh. That knowledge moved from no longer pushing you into a place of intimacy. It moved into a place of mental ascent. And it no longer is transforming and changing your life. It now becomes the thing that sets you up for the fall. Because the Bible says that with pride comes the fall. 
And so we have to be very careful that even in our encounters with the Lord, even as we pursue the Lord and He begins to stretch us and bring us into greater realms of His glory and begin to give us greater realms of revelation and understanding of who He is and what He's desiring to do, that we do not allow the encounter itself to set the stage for our knowledge of God, but we stay hungry, we stay humble, we stay present in the here and the now with God pursuing Him because we can take what He did yesterday and make a monument towards it and build around it and even build a theology around that one encounter and that encounter was meant to reveal certain things to you in your own heart and establish Him in your life in a greater capacity to pursue Him and reveal Him in a greater way. And if we, if we lose sight of that, we can be like Peter, James, and John on the Mount Transfiguration, that when Jesus is standing there in His glory and Moses and Elijah are standing there as well, you know, you can say, oh, let's stop right here and build a temple for you, temple for Him, temple for Him. Because when glory shows up, what do we want to do? We want to institutionalize it and we want to make a model around it. But you can't put God in a box. And and the moment that you think you understand God is the moment you know nothing about God. The moment you figured out you got a little part of understanding over here and and He will come in and, and undercut you. Pull the rug out from underneath you. Because, because there is so much more to God than what we realize. And what is the necessary ingredients to journey with God and to go deeper in God is that place of great humility, of great humbling yourself before the Lord and continuing to stay hungry for Him to say, Lord, I need you. The dependence on Him. Not, not the thing of, I got it. Be real careful when people have got it. Be real careful when, when you go to tell somebody something or scripture and they've got this thing. I've heard that before. Uh-oh. Watch out. Even when your own self, if you feel that rising up, oh, I know that. I've heard this before. What is that? It's a spirit of pride. The knowledge has moved from that place of driving or, or promoting deeper realm of intimacy. It has now set up a wall that's blocked you from going further with God and is beginning to separate you from Him. And it is going to eventually cause you to erect a Jesus that does not exist in heaven, that only exists in the minds and hearts of men who want to satisfy their own selves. And so we've got to be very careful that as we pursue the Lord, um, that we don't allow those things to take place. And thus, that was part of the reason I believe the Lord began to encourage me at the beginning of the year of really studying out Isaiah and seeing the how easy it was for people to get an idolatry. And we don't think of it as as something big today, but man, it's bigger today than it ever has. Idolatry is worse today in our society than it ever has in the history of man. It's true. Because it's so easy, think about it, it's so easy to exalt other things above the Lord. So easy to do in our society. In our society where we are distracted by everything. I mean, we have... Things that, that stimulate the senses like never before in the history of mankind. I mean, think about it. For them to have visions and dreams in those days was like amazing encounters. we got TV today where we can click it on and go into a whole other world without having a vision or dream. You follow me? As powerful as vision, there are substitutes now in the earth. Are you understanding what I'm saying? And so the Lord spoke to us that this year would be a year of increased partnerships, greater intimacy, and abundance of fruit. And the question I, I would ask of you is, 
what have you been partnering with? Where have the partnership come? Because just as the Lord will send people to partner with you, the enemy will also send assignments of things to partner with you, to distract you and pull you away. And the question is, have I been partnering? Have I recognized those people or this, the things that God has sent along my way to partner with? Or, and here's, here's the big thing, or have I just simply just been like gone with the flow and just done whatever? Because in order for us to really... Partnership is a very intentional... When it comes to the things of the Lord, it's a very intentional thing that you do that's done through commitment, through service, through humbling yourself, of giving of your life. There's a, there's a relational exchange that takes place in, in covenant partnerships that God's trying to call, that He's calling us into. And if we simply engage in the things that God's bringing us into on that lower level, that superficial relational level of just saying, oh yeah, yeah, I'm part of that, or oh yeah, yeah, I'm committing to that, and then, then our wishy-washy in it, then what's going to happen is what was intended to be released in that exchange of giving of your life to that area or to that individual or to that type of ministry or to the thing that the Lord's calling you to, it will not take place to the degree that it needs to and you will come out on the other side lacking very necessary ingredients in order to fulfill the things that God's called you to do. Now, there is a place of repentance saying, Lord, forgive me. I missed that. I didn't take, the, I didn't take serious what you put before me. I may, have, I may have not liked the package that you sent me that, that you're calling me to partner with. I, may not have, I might not have liked the individual or their belief systems or whatever. But you know what? God doesn't ask you what you like when he puts people in there to partner with you. He didn't consult your flesh what would make you feel good in order to do that. And so sometimes it means we have to push through things. We have to work through relational things. And a lot of times in those places, working through those things is when you get stuff that's exposed in your heart, gets healed up and dealt with that never would have been dealt with outside of that type of partnership. Okay. Now, on the flip side of the hard things, we also have the things that are extremely good, that are wonderful, that are just, oh, they're amazing. And in those type of partnerships, you also have to be careful because they can simply feed into, oh, everything's wonderful, everything feels good. And you can begin to get into the sensual side of everything's perfect and feels good and whew, don't have to worry about anything. And you lose your focus and you lose your awareness and you just kind of still go with the flow because everything, there's no challenge here, everything. And you can lose value. For the one that God's called you to because of the familiarity and begin to take for granted that individual or the thing that God's called you to and begin to negate it. And because and, and, anytime that you that relaxing, just let go, don't worry about it as far I'm not, I mean, not worry about it, but not engaging it fully. It's very easy to get distracted by other things and get swept up into other things that God would call you to do. Everybody following me? The Lord also spoke this year that um, I think it was Carrie that actually said this, that she saw nines coming down from heaven. And the Lord reminded me of that again this, today. And um, I re-looked at that. And the nines was the fact of the end of man's stuff, a dawning of a new age. The end of one season coming into a new age. And um, I believe that, that we're going to begin to see... Um, just according to what the Lord spoke to me at the beginning of this month, that we're going to begin to see God do some very extraordinary things in the earth. And the picture the Lord gave me at the beginning of this month was the fact that the body of Christ was laying down on the ground 
trying to catch her breath. I mean, she was like she was wore out like she had been laboring, and like she was running a race and just fell down. It's like I'm just too tired. And I heard the Lord speak and say, "Get up!" And um, you know, just to shorten what all I'd shared a couple weeks ago was the fact that while laying there trying to catch her breath, I saw this thing come alongside, and I, and I didn't know what it was at first. And it put a cold towel on its forehead, and it was cool. And you could see the the that person laying there just go. <sighs> the coolness just felt good for a second. And as they relaxed, then that, the, that spirit began to pull that wet towel over their mouth. And where they were trying to catch their breath, all of a sudden they couldn't breathe at all. And they started hyperventilating, struggling to breathe. You ever tried to breathe through a wet towel? I mean, it was, that's how they do tormenting stuff, the waterboarding stuff. And, um, and so they were over there. And I heard the Lord speak out of heaven. I mean, in this dream that I was having, he spoke out of heaven and he said, get up. And, it, and it, I mean, he sh- it shook. And that, and the, the body got up. And as soon as it got up, the towel just fell off. And when, as soon as that happened, I realized, oh my gosh, that, cause at first I thought that that was like somebody good helping that person. And when the Lord talked to me in the dream, he said, no, that was my body, the body of Christ. It's gotten weary. It's gotten tired in many areas. And so it's felt like I just need to lay down for a minute. I need to just sit down. And in the process of that, in that place of vulnerability of just laying there, the enemies come in and put something cool and it says, oh, that feels great. What does it do? It's pleasing to the senses. Oh, that's so easy. And in that place of just pulling your guard down and just whatever... Open the door for just that thing to begin to cover up. And where, what is it covering up? It's the place of breath. It's where your voice comes out. It's where your ability to, to, to breathe in the, the breath of heaven, to breathe in the things that heaven would have to say, and to release those things in the earth. It was suffocating those things from being able to come out of the body of Christ. But one of the things that was encouraging to me was when the Lord spoke that and said, Get up. When it got up, it wasn't like a bondage of the enemy oppressing the body. As soon as it got up, the thing just fell off. And it was the necessity to push past our flesh. And, and one of the things that I, I shared in Bible college was the fact of when you're running long distance, the first thing the coach would tell you when you're done is get up, stint your hands up because it keeps your lungs so that they can open up to full capacity and you can actually recover faster if you stand up, lift your hands up high, and you can get your breath faster. And so it's the importance of in the midst of pressure, in the midst of God working you out, (laughs) challenging you, training you to become the person that God's called you to be, building up your capacity to take in the things of heaven and being able to release it on the earth. He's trying to get your stamina, your endurance, your perseverance up because there's, there's a great task, there's a great work to be done in the earth that He's called us to do. And we can't just lay there and just think that's going to help us feel good. We can't just stop what we've been doing and just give up and just lay there. I just need a vacation. You don't take a vacation from the call of God on your life. You don't take a vacation from receiving the things from heaven. You don't take a, I mean, you don't just say, well, you know what? I'm just not going to breathe today. And in the same way, we need that. You, you, you can't, just in the same way that you can't live by bread alone, but you've got to live by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. We were intended to live in the presence and the breath of God. Matter of fact, we came into being because of the breath of God being breathed in us. We're being sustained, the Bible declares, by every word. By the word of God, it's sustaining not only us, but all of creation. And if we want to partner with the Lord in a greater way to bring increase and abundance of the kingdom into the earth, then there's a requirement for us to get up out of that place of the the, the normal, natural, fleshly tendency is just to, oh, and to fall under the weight of it and just let's just take a break. 
I mean, you felt that. Everybody in here has felt that. Naturally speaking, when you just things are just hard, it's just like, oh, I just need to sit down for a minute. But the opposite is true. In order to be able to be strengthened, we've got to get in that place, not of resting, but in that place of worship. In that place of honoring and valuing God. We need to get back in that place of beginning to be thankful, exalting Him. And if we do that, we're going to recover a whole lot faster when we get tired. When we enter into seasons where the Lord is testing us, if we'll choose to praise and to thanks and arm ourselves with thanksgiving, we're going to be able to recover faster, catch our breath quicker, and we're going to actually enlarge our capacity to run further for the next challenge that the Lord brings into our life. And so it's just essential that in this season of challenge that we go higher, that we look beyond what we can see, that we live in a deeper place of faith and trust in God and His directives. And the tests that are, that are before us are really the, the same tests that have always been before us, but it, it, we need to be aware of them. And that is the, the choice of am I going to fear God or am I going to fear man? Am I going to value what God says or am I going to look to men's approval? Am I looking to what others would be pleased with me about? Or am I looking to what God would make God pleased? The, the question also is, in the, in the text that I read you about serving God or money, is am I doing things as unto the Lord as everything that I do, even in my workplace, even in my job? Am I doing it as unto the Lord or am I doing it for a paycheck? Because the Bible makes it clear that you'll, serve, you'll love one and despise the other. There's... I'm just trying to figure out how to say this the right way. There's a slave mentality over the earth right now. The system of this world is is continually trying to enslave people in that place that there is no hope. There is no... You're just going to have to run the race and just keep going. There's no hope. There's no life at the end of the tunnel. You just work, pay your taxes... Try to climb out of debt, and then at the end of it, you are still a slave to the system. There's this mentality that's been sweeping over America just in the last you know, six years, really. It's been there before that, but it's become even more predominant because of the, the state of the economy and people's greater awareness of finance and stuff. But what is it doing? It is tearing down that idol of worshiping money, and their people are, are staggering. What do we do? And that's one of the reasons why I believe that we are, in a, we are entering into a season where the harvest is riper than it ever has before in the hearts of men because the thing they've worshipped hasn't worked and it's falling apart before their eyes. And they're, and they're having to make a choice. Do I stay here in this burning building that's about to be devoured because it's wood, hay, and stubble? It has, it's temporal. It has no life giving it. Or am I going to abandon ship and begin to look for a house that's builder and maker is God. You know, that's eternal. And people are hungry for that. People are hungry to know the eternal things of God. But when they come into to a body of believers, the last thing that they want to see is the same idols being exalted and worshipped in a people when they're hungry for the things of, of, that have eternal value. To see the same people in the drudgery and the slavery of the systems of man and giving way and sacrificing their children to the system of the world. 
That's in many ways, that's what's happened in the, in the church in America. We have, we have bowed down. Even in ministry, people are bowing down to marketing and strategy and business type ideas. And how do we make more money? And how do we do that? And I'm here to tell you, I refuse to do that. I refuse to do that. I refuse to be dependent on this world system to provide for me. I've, I've already found out what that system can do. It, it, it sucks the life out of you, and it, it robs you of your dreams and vision, and it takes you down a path that, that alienates you from the Lord. I've watched individuals, even people that I went to Bible college with, that today they despise the Lord. They despise the Lord. They despise the things of God. Because they've been so entrenched in that system. You'll love one and you'll hate the other. And we've got to be very careful that there is test even in this season of what, what about your money? What about your finances? What about your job? What about this? And the way that we overcome those tests is that we continue to keep that everything that I do, I do it as unto the Lord. I serve those, I, even in my job. You know, that I do it because I'm serving the Lord. And if we do that, it will create an immunity in our system so that we won't be affected by the disease of the world system. It will create a vaccination, if you will, in our hearts that keep us from that place of being um, overcome. And ultimately, it's, it's, a, it's a spirit of fear. You know, it's, a, it's that spirit of fear that grips you and, and enslaves you and drives you in those places. We were just sharing in the Bible college the other night just the passage in Mark where it talks about uh, when he commissions them. And, and he says, you know, I, I'm giving you, I've, I've been given all authority. Now you go out and he talks about in, specifically in the Mark account of the commission. You know, you go out and you'll tread upon snakes and serpents. And he goes through this list. And if you re- go back and re-examine all those things, what was he dealing with? He was dealing with the, the, the thought in that time period of me going out beyond where I've been normally at. To go out into another country, another region, another city. You know, what are the thoughts, the fears that we have? And what would prevent us from going further and doing the things that God wants us to do? And it's all the, the fears that would be common. You know, and just flip there real quick. Let's go to Mark, the end of Mark. I wasn't planning on doing that, but I just feel like we need to go there. Mark 16. Everybody okay? Look at verse, we'll start at verse 14. It says, And later he appeared to the eleven as he sat at the table, and he rebuked their unbelief and hardness of heart, because they did not believe those who had seen him after he had risen. And he said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Now notice, notice in order for him to, as he was doing this, that he also dealt with their heart in the place of announcing. He rebuked them because they... They did not believe and they had hardness of heart. You know, the question is when God speaks to us certain things, what is our response to those things? Or, or even better is when God starts doing something to other people around us, what's our response? A lot of people, a lot of people they, well, I'll believe it when I see it. True? 
A lot of people, and even when that does stuff starts happening, they're like, well, I'm not really sure if that was even the Lord. And God could show up and angels could slap them in the face. I'm not sure that that was, maybe it was. I mean, people have such a place of disbelief and unbelief in their hearts that they just, well, you know, I know that that person got healed, you know, but I just, I don't know. I don't know if it could have been, you know. There's a real place of, of unbelief. You cannot fulfill the things God wants you to do with unbelief. But he says, go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow those who believe. Oh, this is not the passage. Yeah, yeah, it is. I, I, I just didn't read far enough. And these signs will follow them that believe in my name. They will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Now look at the, look at these, these elements. These are all things that it, for the normal person going out and fulfilling the things that God will do could be fears that would delay them or keep them from going in the first place. The first one would be what? Demons. So things in the spirit realm. In their culture today, maybe not so much in ours, but in their culture, there was very, they were very aware. Just like they are aware in third world countries today and many places around the world, they're very aware of the supernatural. They're very aware of the demonic. They're very aware of witch doctors. They're very aware of things going on, curses being placed on people. They're very aware of that. Okay, so that could be something that said of they've become very aware of principalities and things that's going on. And, and their awareness of that, oh, I can't go out because of that. But what was Jesus saying? I, man, I've given you power. I've given you authority and, and you'll be able to do that. You'll be able to cast them out. So don't worry about that fear. You'll be able to deal with that because I've given you the power and the ability to deal with that. The second thing that he deals with is um, he'll give them a new tongues. I mean, what's the first thing that you think about when you travel overseas to a country that does not speak your language? Oh, man. You're ministering to somebody? What's the first person you're looking for? Not not Jesus. You're looking for your translator. You, you know what I'm saying? You're looking for your translator to help so that you can communicate what you, what you feel like in your heart you just need to be ministered to. And so it says here, don't worry about that either. I've got you covered. He goes on to the next one and says, and they will take up serpents. And, and I'll share this as well. You know, the, the, the first thing that they tell you about is the, all the deadly things that, that they have in that country. I mean, when I went to India, I noticed the things the, up in the mountains, beautiful mountains. I wanted to go up there, and, and I said, well, how come there's no houses on the mountains here in India? And A.C. Potom said to me, he said, oh, no, Indians don't go up there. I said, why? He said, because there's tigers and cobras up there. You will never see an Indian put a backpack on and climb up a mountain. He said, it just won't happen. Because you get bit by a cobra, you're a goner. If a tiger sees you and smells you out and he wants you, you're, you're, that's it. You know, and so you stay away from it. And when in traveling, the first thing that you think about in traveling, especially in that time frame, is man, snakes. I mean, even in the Philippines, I, after awareness of the cobra and the mamba and stuff, you're kind of. I walk. I mean, we go and investigate. We walked in trails. We went and went into these caves and stuff. The last time I was there, and I was thinking, you know, I was aware. Mike said, you know, we could. There was this one cave down in here we were looking at, and it was about 20 foot down. And he said, I wonder how deep that water is there. We could just run and jump. And all I could think about was the pictures of the movie of, you know, the anaconda that there was right under the water. Like he was stepping in there and a group, he'd be swallowed whole, you know, <laughs> bye-bye, <laughs> bye-bye, Mike. You know, it was just the reality of that. I was thinking, and then I was looking at the water and there was, there was like hundreds of thousands of bats coming out of these cages, cave and stuff. I mean, they were coming out, coming out. They were, it was, and it smelled foul because all the, the bat feces and stuff in there. And I was just thinking, I don't want to land in that water. And there's no telling what's in there. 
And all I could imagine was this huge snake, you know. And so it prevented me from just jumping out and going for it. And in the same way in in our lives, there are the things of what could kill you in the natural, what could affect you. That keep us from going out. And then, then, of course, it says, and if they drink anything deadly, that and that's a no-brainer. I mean, you go anywhere in the world, and the first thing they tell you to do is don't drink the water. You know, you know, when you get to Mexico, don't drink the water. You know, it's like that's the very first thing that they tell you. And, and for their time frame, they didn't have bottled water. You know, they didn't have you know whatever kind of water you drink. Um, they didn't have that capacity. They had to drink the water. They were scooping up out of the rivers and wells along the way. And so those are very real fears that would prevent us from going forward. And there are very real fears that the enemy is placing before us in the body of Christ today that says, well, you know, if you voice your opinion about God in the workplace, they're going to fire you. Or if you stand against truth and you declare, you know what, you know, I don't, I don't believe that homosexual is acceptable before the Lord. You know, you can come under extreme persecution. I mean, you see that right now in the media and things going on in today. They're working, and it has advanced in such a level in the last 10 years that it would have been, it would have not even crossed our minds that today the things they label hate speech would, I mean, they literally call the Bible hate speech now. There have actually been people arrested in the United States in the last five years that they simply preached what the Bible said and were arrested for it. Shocking. We wouldn't have thought that ever because of the freedom that we have. Yet, when righteousness is not exalted, when God is not in His place in the hearts and minds of people, how quickly the tide can turn. Even in the system of what we call law and justice, man, we, we, we do not have a system of justice. We have a system of laws. And when unrighteous people begin to form the laws, then what used to be justice no longer can prevail. And in today's society, we see, we see things rampant in that. But this is also true in the church. Even with the hyper-grace thing, is people have gotten rid of the law and they've made the law like bad word. Jesus didn't come to get rid of the law. Jesus came to establish a greater law in our hearts. Matter of fact, the requirements that Jesus places before us is way beyond anything Moses gave us. Matter of fact, what Jesus requires of our heart is impossible, would have been impossible for anybody in Moses' time to fulfill. Because they did not have the Holy Spirit. So when Jesus sent the Holy Spirit, there was a greater demand put on our lives. Yet in the hyper-grace thing today, so many people are believing this that, oh, well, you can just do whatever, live however, it's no big deal. What are they doing? Unrighteous people, unrighteous truth, doctrines of devils has infiltrated the church to prevent us from seeing justice take place, see the righteousness of God prevail, and what's happened? People now have the freedom to do whatever you want to. Now it's so acceptable. It's so acceptable to do terrible and grotesque things. I mean, we're moving into a place where they will accept almost any type of, of gross behavior. But if someone stands up for righteousness, that's unacceptable. In the end days, the Bible says they'll call evil good and good evil. 
And we are witnessing that with our own eyes. We need to be awakened to the reality of the hour that we are in. We are in such a crucial hour that we need to be pursuing the Lord and going after Him and not allowing anything to distract us from our main objective, and that is to know God and to walk with God, to be intimate with Him, to partner with Him in in an increasing way and to fulfill the things that He's called us to do. We cannot lose sight of that. We cannot lose sight of it because... Of the world system over here, nor of the fear that the enemy would try to place before us to keep us from going. We cannot lose sight of it because of, of the fear of what men would think. We can't allow these things that the enemy would use to stop the body of Christ from rising up and trying to take our breath away and keep us from running the course before us. We can't allow these things to do. We've got to arm ourselves through honoring God and worshiping God and throwing down the idols in our lives and saying, God, you and you alone do I worship and begin to feel, be filled with the breath of heaven so that we can run the course that the Lord has set before us in our generation. We're not going to be able to do that laying on the ground feeling, feeling like we need something to make us feel better. You don't need to feel good if you're in sin. You don't need to feel all right if you're wrong and in unrighteousness. You need to be corrected. You need the Word of God to come. And you need the rebuke of God. You do not need somebody to say everything's going to be okay. That is a lie from the enemy. Because if you stand before the Lord and have rejected Jesus and how you live, you will go to hell. Even though you may have named Him as Lord. The Bible makes it abundantly clear. Many will come to me in the last day and say, Lord, Lord. Didn't I prophesy in your name? Didn't I cast out devils in your name? Didn't I heal the sick? And he'll say, depart from me, you practice practicer of lawlessness. Listen, we, we can't afford to do those things because we can actually be pacifying the doctrines of devils in people's hearts that's dragging them to a place of eternal damnation. We need to lift our voice. We need to lift our arms. We need to begin to run the course before us. We can't allow the same thing that is sucking the world in and dragging us into a place of slumber. We need to be awakened to the reality and we need to lift our voices in the earth and be to declare what the Word of God really is. There is great deception in the earth. There is great error going all throughout the body of Christ. However, there is a greater God that we serve that's in our midst. And if we will pursue Him, we will begin to see His nature and His life like never before. We will begin to see His glory come down and begin to manifest in the earth. We will see the greatest move of God that any generation past has ever seen. If, if we will awaken and arise and go where God says go, do what God says do, and respond to the leading of His Spirit the way He calls us to. We must serve God with great fear, with great um, value, with great regard to His Word, to His, to his desires. We must, we must crucify our flesh and our self-desires and pursue Him. If we do not, if we do not, we will simply be swept away in the flow of the world system. And we will be Christian in name only. And our fruit, our fruit will be no different than the fruit of the earth. That does not produce anything but temporal results that have no eternal value. I don't know, I just feel just this. There's, we need to be awakened from our slumber. It's amazing to me that, that there are literally Christians being beheaded right now in our generation, and yet the church is still all about me. All about what makes me feel good in the moment. There's something wrong. There's something wrong in our hearts when we just simply accept, oh yeah, well, praise God I was born in America. 
No, what you see there, it will be in America in 10 years if things don't shift. We didn't think things what we see today would be in America 10 years ago. You say, oh, well, that's, that's, that's awful negative. No, 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 no. That's the reality of sin. Sin demands more and more and more and more unless it's stopped. I mean, isn't that the lesson of the entire Old Testament, the power of sin over our lives? And here's the good news about when Jesus came. He came so that we could have life and have it more abundantly. But you don't have the life of Jesus through osmosis just because He did it. You you actually receive and are able to partake of what Jesus did because you put your faith in Him, you repent from where you were headed, put your faith in Him, trust in Him, and walk with Him. You You don't get an inheritance from the Lord just simply because, oh yes, I I agree. Inheritance comes because you are a son, you are a daughter. The Bible says that the earth is waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God. You know, even in the Old Testament times, it didn't matter if you were biologically a son or a daughter, you did not get your inheritance until you were mature. Until you were of age and mature and able to handle the father's inheritance, you didn't receive it. It was actually, you were put under custody of someone else. I mean, the Bible even refers to this. It talks about this in the scriptures. It talks about this even in reference to where the law was concerned, talking about the law of Moses. It refers to the law was sitting there aside, waiting for us to step into our inheritance. But when we receive Jesus and we receive the Holy Spirit who brings us and teaches us all truth, we have to continue to be a student of the Holy Spirit and we have to stay humble and submissive and teachable and yielding to the things that He would have us to say. If the moment we lose sight of that, then every bit of maturity that we've stepped into, everything that we've been growing up in, if we lose sight of the Holy Spirit as our teacher and as our leader and as our guide and we go off and branch off into our own desires and our own ability and our own wants and our own flesh, what happens? What happens? We pull away from the very thing of inheritance and life that we've been given. If Notice all the promises are those that are in Christ. How are you in Christ? Christ said in John, He makes it abundantly clear that if you abide in Me, then My words abide in you. Right? If you abide in Me, you'll abide in My love. What does the love of God look like? It looks like a passionate love for for God. Where you love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. And it also includes in order to love God fully, you've got to also love those around you. In the same way, in the same measure that He's loved you. And how do you do that? Because the Holy Spirit's come to shed abroad His love in our hearts. If we're not growing in these areas, then... What's going to happen? The flesh is going to rise up and take its place. If we don't give ourselves to the things of the Spirit, that how do you how do you wage war against the flesh by giving attention and following after things of the Spirit? How do you how do you give way and, and not do the things of the Spirit? Just simply don't focus on the things of the Spirit, and your flesh will take over. You quit giving attention to the things of the Spirit, and your flesh will immediately take over. You ain't got to do nothing for your flesh to take over. Just stop running, just lay down, just, I need a break, oh, it's just too hard today, and all of a sudden your flesh will take over. It's that easy. But it takes work to stay in the Spirit. It takes work to stay in those things. We say, well, we don't work to get in the Spirit. No, 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 but you you work in the Spirit. You labor. Hebrews 3 makes it clear. You labor to enter into that place of rest. You don't just all of a sudden enter there just because, oh, yes, Lord, thank you for your rest. 
You labor in that place. What do you labor in doing? You labor in crucifying your flesh, telling your flesh to shut up. You're going to do what God says, no matter what you feel. You labor by trusting in God and putting faith in Him. Lord, I thank you. You give me grace to do the things that you want me to do. I believe in you. I trust in you. And flesh, shut up. There's labor involved in that. If you don't think there is, then you're a fool. It's work to follow after the Lord. Why do you think not many people go there? The way to destruction is broad and easy. But the way to the Lord is difficult and narrow. I didn't say that. Jesus did. You think he was lying to us? No. It's very narrow in the fact because there's only one way. It's through him. It's through the power, empowering of his spirit. It's through the blood of Jesus. There's only one way. And that place is difficult because there's all these other ways that look so inviting. Neon signs. God's way looks like a dirty road down there. You know, it's like, whew, that doesn't look too inviting. That looks hard. That's not appeasing to the flesh. You know why? Because God doesn't do things to appease your flesh. God's trying to get you to crucify your flesh and go after the things that he wants you to do. Because he understands that if we give way to the things of the flesh, if you're carnally minded, it leads to death. But if we're if we have the mind of Christ and we're following the things of the spirit, it will lead to life and life more abundantly. I'll close with this scripture. These two scriptures, maybe. In Second Timothy, in Second Corinthians, I read this actually when we did the um, the prophetic word for this year. In Second Corinthians eleven three and four, and we also heard this word in our in our series um, undercover with John Bevere in Bible College. But I fear that somehow you're pure. This is Second Corinthians eleven verses three through four. But I fear that somehow your pure and undivided devotion to Christ will be corrupted. Just as Eve was deceived by the cunning ways of the serpent. And you happily put up with whatever anyone tells you, even if they preach a different Jesus than the one we preach. Or a different kind of spirit than the one you received. Or a different kind of gospel than the one you believed. Paul said, I fear that somehow your pure and undivided devotion to Christ will be corrupted. Wow. Then in 1 Timothy, Paul encourages Timothy in chapter 4, verses 13 through 16. This is in the, the Amplified. It says, Till I come, devote yourself to public and private reading, to ex- exhortation, preaching, and personal appeals, and to teaching and instilling doctrine. Do not neglect the gift which is in you, that special inward endowment, which was directly imparted to you by the Holy Spirit by prophetic utterance when the elders laid their hands upon you at your ordination. Practice and cultivate and meditate upon these duties. That sounds like a lot of work right there, doesn't it? Practice, cultivate, and meditate. Upon these duties. Throw yourself wholly into them. So that your progress may be evident to everybody. Look well to yourself. To your own personality and to your teachings. Preserve in these things. Hold to them. For by doing so you will save both yourself. And those who hear you. We've got to stay true to the word of God. We've got to spend time in his presence. We've got to, stay, we've got to have that place of intimacy with him. In order to fulfill the things that he wants to do. In order for us 
to continue to increase in intimacy and see an abundance of fruit, we're going to have to give ourselves not only to the things that are uh, wonderful and exciting, because I'm telling you, the, the things of the Spirit are, are, are powerful. They're fascinating. They're intriguing. They're, they're fun. They're exciting. But there are also things of the Spirit that are hard. There is. And, and, you know, and I cannot stand up here preaching truth to you and just simply focus on just the, the things that make you feel good. There's plenty of it. And I'm telling you, and I'll probably talk about things that make you feel good in the next time that we talk. But it still does not take away from the severity of the warning that lays before us that even those that have been pure and undefiled in their devotion to Christ, that you too can be corrupted if we lose sight of what He's called us to do. We lose sight of who He is in our lives. By simply hearing another gospel or receiving of another spirit. Amen. If you'll stand, we'll go to the Lord in prayer. There's something far greater that the Lord's wanting to do in us. And the magnitude of it is beyond words. I mean, I believe, I absolutely believe in the the prophetic word that the Lord has spoken over us over these last several years and just the reality that there is there's something far greater that no other generation ever before has seen that the Lord's wanting to do in the earth. For sure, the earth is getting darker in many ways and there are things happening. However, the glory of God is wanting to be revealed in such a magnitude, in such a way, like never before. Listen, there are people that are so desperate for the Lord. They're so desperate for for a people who love God and who have who have become stable in their relationship with the Lord, who can bring stability and peace in the earth. People are looking and longing for not just gospel that's being preached, but gospel that's being demonstrated. They're looking for the the, rev, the rev, revelation of Jesus being fleshed out in our lives, and it's going to require more of us. It's going to require, there's a greater weight of responsibility, but with that greater weight, there's also greater grace. There's a greater empowerment that comes. And so while I'm talking to you about the reality of, yes, there's going to be more work. Yes, you may encounter greater hardship. Yes, you may face difficult things. Yes, you may face tribulation and testing. I'm also wanting to encourage you to count it joy Because even in the midst of that, you're going to encounter greater places with the Lord. You're going to encounter greater measures of grace and empowerment. You're going to encounter greater realms of glory than ever before. But if you don't go through those things, if you don't arm yourself and continue to plow and continue to endure, you will not reap the benefits and the inheritance that God has for you. You will not reap it. You will not mature. You will not develop. And you will not be prepared. And when God moves... It could sweep right over you, and you can miss it. I don't know about you, but that creates a realm of fear of the Lord in my heart. I don't want to miss what God's doing in the earth. I don't want to miss what He's called me to do. I don't want to miss that. And even though my heart is pure, and I'm saying, Lord, I, I want to do what you want to do, I realize that even in the purity of my devotion to the Lord, it can be corrupted if I'm not careful, and if I'm not sober and vigilant and ever watching what the Lord would have to do. It, in, the, in, the, in the two parables that Jesus shared when he was talking about the end times, about his second coming, what did he talk about? Be watchful and stay in prayer. Keep that place of communion with you and the Lord open all the time. 
and be watchful. Be aware of what's going on. Don't get sucked into your own little world and, and think, oh, everything's fine. Everything's not fine. The world needs Jesus. And we, we want to throw that off of, well, Jesus sent somebody there. Send somebody to do this. No, it's you. It's me. It's us. We're the body of Christ in the earth. We're called to do His bidding. We're called to fulfill His ministry in the earth. Amen? Amen. So let's just agree right now. Father, we just, we just come before You and we, we first and foremost, we repent, Father, of anywhere in our place where we have allowed our flesh to rule us, where we have allowed just the, the systems of this world to, to cause fear and subject us to, to living life in our natural state and forsaking the things of the supernatural. Forgive us, Lord, where we have been so busy being a slave to that system that we've not had time for you, where we've not acknowledged you, where we've done things for the mighty dollar and not for Almighty God. Forgive us, Lord, for having any realm of idolatry in our hearts where we've exalted anything above you. Lord, we repent, we turn from that. Lord, we want to love what you love and hate what you hate. We pray that the, the fear of the Lord would be just forged in our heart in a greater way than ever before, that we would see the, the reality of our hour, that we would also, in that place of seeing what's going on on the earth, that we would also have elevated vision and perspective and see what heaven is desiring to do, that we would not be overwhelmed by the pressure and the challenges that's in this world or even the things that the enemy would try to throw against us or even what our flesh is telling us to do, that we would not be overwhelmed in that place, but we would lift up our eyes beyond that and we would see you, Lord. God, I pray that you grant into us a higher realm of perspective, a higher realm of vision to begin to see what you're desiring to do in the earth like never before and that we begin to partner with you, Holy Spirit, in a greater capacity than ever. And I thank you that as we partner with you, that there'll be a greater realm of intimacy taking place in our lives. There'll be a greater realm of commitment and loyalty and devotion to you, to your word, to spending time with you, to, to partnering with those that you've called us to partner with, that we would absolutely give our whole self to what you've called us to do. That we would love you with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our might and all our strength, and that our love for one another would be deepening and growing every day. I pray, Father, that we would be a community of believers that have such a passion and zeal for you, such a hunger to know you and to walk with you, and that we would continue in humility as we pursue you. I thank you, Lord, for the revelation that as we seek you, we will find you. If we knock, the door will be open. If we ask, it will be given to us. And, Father, our knocking, our asking, our seeking is we want more of you in our lives. As you begin to stretch us and as you have been doing in this season, we thank you for the exposure of things in our hearts. We celebrate in the fact that you are not only showing us things that's, that's not right or areas in our lives that need to be developed, but we thank you, Father, that when you show us those things, you also give us what's necessary to correct it. We thank you for grace that empowers so that we can fulfill the word of God. <clears throat> we thank you, God that it's calling us to a higher level of living than ever before. We rejoice in the fact that there is something far greater that we've been called to. And if we'll stand and preserve, we will be chosen by you. But I just pray that that spirit of long-suffering, endurance, patience, 
God, that we would just begin to partake of that fruit of the Spirit and it would become evident in our lives that we would no longer get weary in well-doing, that we would not faint when we run and give up as we're walking after you. But, Father, that we would be filled with the breath of heaven. As we honor and worship you, I just thank you, Father, for overflowing winds of heaven blowing over us, filling us, empowering us, strengthening us. And we speak to the body of Christ as a whole. We say, be strengthened in Jesus' name. Get up in Jesus' name. Be awakened in Jesus' name. And fulfill the things that God's called us to do. Lord, we thank you for that place of slumber, no longer being able to rest even in this house, but also in the houses all over the earth where they worship you, Lord. I just pray that they would be awakened by that reality. We're thankful, Lord, that you're stirring people's hearts. As as I've looked at different places and different ministries, you're stirring a very similar word in people's hearts all over the earth. And we're just so grateful, Lord, that you're awakening your body. We just declare that it would arise in the strength and power and grace of God. We just declare that right now in Jesus' name. For everyone here, Father, we just pray that these words, these I know that there have been some that are more harder words, sobering, sobering words, but Father, I just pray that it would just challenge us to go deeper in you and receive from you what we need. Because without you, we cannot make it. We need you, Lord. So Father, I just pray that we would push past all the religious stuff that says we've got to do and just that we would press into you. All the ideas and thinkings and philosophies and doctrines and ways of doing things that in our past has actually created a place of pride and, oh, I know something. We pray that those things would come down, that they would be destroyed in our hearts and minds, and that we would be transformed and our minds would be renewed by your Spirit. We pray that would take place, Lord. And we thank you. We thank you for just the the greater expectation of what you're about to do in the earth. Thank you, Lord. That we're able to partner with you and see those things. May we be ever aware of you all day long. May we continue to press in. Even when it gets hard, may we continue to press in. Even when it feels like I just can't go any another step forward. May we get up. Get up. Honor and worship you. Arm ourselves with thanksgiving and praise. And magnify your holy name. I thank you, Lord. We will be strengthened. We will be empowered. And we will fulfill the things that you've called us to do. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Just, if you can, just lay your hand on somebody. We just want to pray for one another. Just get close. We just hold hands. Lord, we just pray for one another. Just for there to be a release, an exchange of life as we walk together, as we live in this community of believers together. We pray, Father, that we would see one another. Uh, as you see us, that we would honor and bless one another. We pray, Father, that there would be just that we would pray and uplift and stand in the gap for one another. That we would uh, guard our brothers and sisters' hearts. That we would watch over them uh, and and stand in the gap for one another, God. That we would recognize that there is a place that we have in stewarding not only the gifts and the things that you have in us, but also stewarding it in a way that we can give it to others. And so, Father, help us 
to begin to love others in a greater capacity. And so, Lord, we just bless one another. We just declare the blessing of God rich towards every person in here. We just thank you, Father, for such a measure of your goodness and your love being poured out over them. We thank you, Father, for a greater impartation of the things of the Spirit to open our eyes and our minds to the things that you're calling us to. We just declare that anything that may have stopped us up or prevented us from receiving any places, Father, in our lives that kept us from submitting to the Word of God or the things you're calling us to. We just speak to those things in Jesus' name and declare those things to be crushed and removed right now in Jesus' name and a freedom to flow in our hearts of receiving from heaven. And I just thank you, Lord, for that right now in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for exchange from heaven taking place. And there's nothing in us that's blocking what you want to do in our lives. We just thank you, Lord, for freedom and life taking place. Freedom and life in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. 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 You know, one of the things as we go through different stages is we've got to We've got to be really um, aware that that we have a capacity to strengthen one another. And when you feel weak, it's not a good time when you feel weak to just be isolated. I mean, it's important that you spend time with the Lord and get before the Lord. But it's also important that you spend time with one another and connect with people and form relational ties. It's really important that we do that. We're not doing that in replace of the Lord, but we are doing that as an extension of our relationship with the Lord. Amen. 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 All right, will you guys be blessed?